Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing better than you are, I understand. You got a cold, eh? A little little under the weather. Spirits lifted by that uh, that, uh, wind in Calgary, which will always lift my spirits. But uh, feeling a little crummy for sure. A, a bit of a weird game, you know, the owners dominated the first and then it was quite a hard fought game after that, very intense after that, like the Flames seemed to really up the uh, physical play and the intensity and they made a game of it, but um, the Oilers won three to one, lucky 13, their 13th win in a row, Bruce, fan-freaking-tastic, fantastic. New record for a Canadian based hockey team in NHL history. Yeah. Beating the, the Habs with 12, two other Habs teams with 11, and the Ottawa Senators from about 15 years ago, and they were really good <clears throat> at 11. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Ottawa Senators from the 1920s yeah, or something. the Ottawa like Silver 7, yeah. Silver 7. <laughs> and they used to play Not seven quite. players on the ice at once. Yes, they had the Rover edition. for a bonus point, name one member of the Ottawa Silver seven. Oh boy. Uh Silver Seven. Wasn't one eye <clears throat> McGee on that team? Frank One Eye McGee. I'll, go, I'll Google seven. that. Was that was, was Jack seven. Dara? Was was side in any? Okay. Who did you say? Uh Frank McGee. Frank McGee. Around nineteen oh five. Before there was an NHL. Ottawa. He so scored good. fourteen goals in one game against Dawson City. Frank McGee, Ottawa Club. Wow, 1903 yeah. to 1906. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it was 1905 that he scored the 14 in one game against uh, Dawson City. <laughs> Team that came in all the way from, from Dawson City, riding on dog sleds, and they came by about five different modes of transportation that would have done uh, Steve Martin and John Candy proud. And... Uh, they played one sort of semi-competitive game, and then in the second game, they got absolutely spanked. I was also correct about uh, Side Dara? and Any, uh-huh. but not. I'm not finding Dara. Okay. Um, what was his name? Blackjack Dara? Frank, oh, I think, wasn't it? Frank. They always had great nicknames back oh, in no, the day. Oh, yeah, many. There certainly was a couple of Blackjacks. Frank Dara. Let's see. Anyway, we're wasting time here. Bruce, um, yeah. Looks like he was on the with Frank Nieber. Nieber. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Man, we're a, we're a whole hundred years past that era, aren't we? Like the that era yep. now. Um, Bruce, um, let's hope the orders make some history this year. I'm getting a good feeling about it. Oh yeah, yeah, they already have. Um, two good things, two bad things, two numbers, and one conundrum what is your good thing yeah uh, i'm going to credit the hockey gourds uh who have been on edmonton's side for a while now edmonton's pulled a rabbit out of their hat in several games recently usually in the third period and sometimes even in overtime where they have gotten some kind of a break a call a review 
for example, they had two reviews go against them in Chicago, but they had a very big review go in their favor uh, in Montreal where they won in overtime, and another one, big one in, against Seattle where they had a one-goal lead. And, you know, so they're getting the, the the breaks are coming at the right time. Well, there was no bigger break, surely. <clears throat> Then the winning goal credited to Sam Gagne tonight. <laughs> I just watched the replay that they showed in slow motion, and I put it in my slow motion, frame by frame, from the slow motion, to count all the deflections that this puck took. And from the time Gagne shot it till it went into the net, it bounced off five different things. Are you and serious? I counted I'm just serious. two. Five different things. It hit okay, what the are they? shaft of Rasmus Anderson's stick. Okay. It bounced off the shaft of his stick. It hit him on the shin pad. I saw it's that. It bounced up in front of the net. It skimmed off the blocker of uh, of Dan Vladar. Then it caught the cheater on his glove. You know, that extra thumb that they have sticking out to, to block the net? Well, the cheater worked in the Oilers' favor because it caught the cheater. Then it bounced up and hit the post, and then it went in. So it hit Anderson twice, Vladar twice, the post once, and then finally went in the net just from one sort of innocent <laughs> centering pass. And that was it. That was a 2-1 goal, you know, and basically a 2-1 game. And it was decided on as fluky a goal as I can remember, at least from the Oilers. The other teams get fluke goals all the time, of course. But <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that was a gift from the hockey guard. Thank you. And uh, Italy Flames fans grumbling into the night, which just makes it all the sweeter. Well, they really deserve it, you know, the Flames fans, let's be honest. Bruce. <laughs> um, and you know what? I'm going to say, actually, that the Oilers deserve that break. They dominated this game. I mean, especially the first period. They were lucky not to oh, be up by three or four goals. He, he was Darth Vader there. He was fantastic. Um, he should have used the force on Gagne's goal. <laughs> Sorry for that lame joke. Uh, 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 but Bruce, the, so the grade A shots in this game were 16 to 6 for the Oilers. The subset of five alarm shots were um, 8 to 2. Wow. This game, this game was not okay. that close. Um, Calgary, <clears throat> to their credit, made it close. Vladar, he's part of the team. Um, yes, he is. Goalie is part of the team, and you like reminding people about that as much as anyone, and you are right every time you say it. So, um, but in terms of just um, flow of play, the Oilers were utterly dominant in this game and and could have easily won by five goals. And, um, they, you know, they won by three. They got the empty net goal. So uh, I think the hockey guards uh, favor the young and the bold. And uh, mm -hmm. that was the Edmonton Oilers tonight. Yeah, well, they sure caught a huge break there. And there was a few other times in the game, of course, where, the, you know, a little bit of puck luck probably would have resulted in a goal. And they didn't get it. But the one that did decide it was off the charts. Spooky. So that's my good thing. <clears throat> my good thing, Bruce, is a defensive pairing, which has been getting better and better and better and better. The unheralded duo of Vincent DeHarnay and Brett Kulak. Um, they weren't great tonight. I gave them both sevens. They were both good. Perfect. But um, I don't think I did give anyone an eight, actually, in this game. But um, 
Kulak, he just he skated miles, made lots of plays, and he kept a clean sheet at even strength. Not one major mistake on a great A shot against. Typical uh, night of solid play from Kulak. Deharnay, he Bruce, he's looking more and more and more like he really, really belongs in the NHL. Like he's going to be here for a while in the NHL. Uh, he made the great stretch pass yes, he that did. kicked off the virtuous cycle leading to Ryan McLeod's goal out to Harney to Fogel bounce kind of bounces off Fogel to McLeod who makes who makes a great uh, pickup of the puck <clears throat> and and a brilliant shot. Um, but it all starts with Vincent DeHarnay's pass. He's he's moving mm-hmm. the puck and handling the puck better and more confidently. You know what's missing from his game, and I don't even miss it that much. When he first came up, he was just a nasty son of a gun, slashing and hitting. Mm-hmm. But I think he realized in the playoffs he's going to get hammered for that. He's It's always the case the biggest guy on the ice gets picked on for penalty minutes, and he he will be a penalty machine, I think, if he tried to play too physical a game. Now, he's tough when he has to be. He takes the man when he has to. But I don't think he's, I think he's toned down that act. And instead, he's just playing super solid defensive play, especially on the penalty kill, but also at even strength. And um, yeah, they, they've just been really, they've been part of a very solid defensive team for the Edmonton Oilers for the past couple months. And um, they're my good thing tonight. Right on. Well, if they're, if they're worth a seven, then the Harnay's stretch path should be worth an eight in my book. But here's a number for you. Vincent de Harnay was on the ice for 16 minutes today at, at five on five. Yeah. And in those minutes, the Oilers outshot Calgary 16 to four. Yeah. 16 four. And for Kulak, it was like 12 three in one fewer minute. And then you add to the fact that, uh, you know, DeHarnay chipped in as he usually does on the penalty kill. Uh, just a minute and a half tonight, but part of the penalty kill that, you know, killed all three Calgary penalties or two and a bit Calgary penalties or Calgary power plays for the three penalties Edmonton took for brushing an opponent. Three interference penalties. In Wasn't that ridiculous? The one Especially on the first one. On outrageous. <laughs> he was just standing there, and the guy backed over his leg. Like, what's he supposed to do? Yeah, ridiculous. Anyway, the one on Kane, there was maybe a, you know, 1% malice of forethought, but again, he just brushed the guy. And then the, the one where Janmark brushed the goalie, and he went down as if he'd been picked off by a stray bullet. And... Uh, <laughs> Kane, That's you all they always... call. There was other penalties probably, but they didn't call those. But the, the three they called on Edmonton, all for interference, one on goalie interference. Or well, the anyway. Vander Kane, Bruce, I the think. PK, can... If the PK hadn't been so good, they'd be my bad thing because it probably would have cost Edmonton a goal, if not the game. Yeah, they were good penalties. though, weren't they? Yep. With the Vander Kane, Bruce, you can always assume malice. Malice of forethought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And I don't even think he would object to that. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 um, the flames, um, yeah, they had one good shot on the power play. Um, the Sharon Govich got a good slot shot off in the third, <clears throat> but other than that, they, they didn't get a lot. Tall, eh? Yeah. Stu Skinner, you, you called it. You said a couple of days ago, you thought they'd go with him two games in a row. Yep. They did. And it was the right call too. There you go. 
Well, I, I'm say that, patting myself so, on the head. I know I'm saying to Chris Knobloch, you made the right call, buddy, and I would have done the same thing. Yeah. Skinner came up with two good games, and he's faced – it's like every game he faces 27 shots. He did again tonight. And it's been his average all year, and it's been like game after game where he's like bang on 27 or very close to it. And uh, he stops all but one or two, you know. Bruce, what is your bad thing? Yeah, well, since I gave the refs a pass, uh, I'm going to uh, uh, single out a little bit Darnell Nurse and some of his decision-making tonight. Yeah. And I got three three plays in mind. One was the... Uh, the Calgary goal, where Nugent Hopkins was kind of an old. Nuge was kind of unlucky here in the what, like, he got caught at the point, and what he did was he pulled it to his backhand and he fired a high lob toward the net, and Nurse was in way deep, and Nuge was out at the blue line on his spot. Well, the Calgary player made a really good play to sort of pull that puck down out of the air and quickly get it reversed the other way. And Nuge made the mistake of going towards trying to check the guy instead of backing off like the defenseman would if the defenseman had been there, which he wasn't. And the three-on-one emerged and Calgary executed it basically perfectly and that was their goal. Uh, there was a play in the second period where... Nurse, first of all, he made a good play to get the puck. When he had the puck on his stick and they were trying to make the long change and he just held the puck and he held the puck and he held the puck in his own end for like five steamboats. And he had several options, you know, pass, pass it out of the zone, fire it up to some guy who can tip it into the other zone, do a high diagonal lob down into the far corner. And he just holds it. And it's like he freezes with the puck on his stick. And finally, a guy attacks him. And without looking, he just fires behind the back around the boards backwards without looking. And Cody Cece isn't where he guessed Cody Cece may have been because he never actually looked to see where Cece was. And it went to Calgary guy. And they had pressure. And that wound up being a two-minute shift for Nurse and Cece because I could never get off the ice after that. It was just, just a... a he even could have skated it out like he had all day originally and he thought I'm going to hold it and, and you know make a good pass with it which I assume was the intent But and then the third one was when he joined an Oilers rush with 2 minutes and 20 seconds to go in the game leading 2-1 and the Oilers come bursting over the blue line who comes charging up the middle of the ice but Darnell Nurse well that would probably be a great play if they'd been losing 2-1 at the time but they were ahead, and I just thought, this is not the time for jumping out of position looking for a clinching goal. I mean, there's so little time on the clock. You've got to be thinking defense <coughs> first, second, and third at that point. And, Nurse, and, oh, what I forgot to say was after his mistake holding and turning over the puck, he did make a huge defensive play right in front to, to take away what may well have been a goal by stick-checking the guy who uh, who got the great chance out of it and sort of cancelling the chance. So, to his credit, he made the direct problem go away, but he caused the problem in the first place. I just thought some of his decisions in this game were, were a little questionable. And on the other hand, he played 22 minutes and 43 seconds, most of any order's D-man. And, you know, they... Uh, they had some big moments in the uh, uh, in the defensive end as well. Him and Cece, I thought Cece was good. 
Yeah, I thought CC was better than Nurse. He made fewer, as usual, he, he fewer erratic decisions. Um, and Nurse did make uh, one really nice uh, break-in pass to Kane. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bruce, yeah, his, you know, the on the goal against, you know, it's a it's an iffy play at the blue line. You can you should be sensing that this is an iffy right. play. Now he was trying to give him a passing option. Um, by moving in, I think, rather than going for the gusto to try to score. But, um, yeah, I didn't like that decision at all. He should be just nurses at his best when he's playing conservative hockey, when he's when he's moving his feet and, and making plays with the puck, but plays from the back to the front, passes up. Nurse is quite a good passer. He's an excellent passer. He can rip off excellent passes. And overall, he's a good passer. But I don't like him on the rush particularly. I don't think he's ever been very effective at it. He's not someone, um, you know, he, he just doesn't, he's not able to get in tight to the net and make a move and score. But he's, you know, so I just, it was just, we're just see that again and again throughout his career. We hadn't been seeing it so much in the last couple months. And, and I think in the last couple games actually we've been seeing a little bit more he seems to be getting a little antsy <laughs> to score or something put up some points but he should he shouldn't worry about that if he just plays defense he's such a fine player and Cody Cece um, is an example of that I mean he's a solid defender although I didn't like the way he played the three-on-one and I didn't understand he shaded so far over to the puck carrier coming down the wing that he left the slot guy right open instead of playing the middle he shaded over to the shooter and I, and he did that on an, on an earlier play as well where um it was a partial uh break in and a forward came back and helped out but cc was way over and let in in on that one he was taking away the the pass but he let the shooter come right in and rip a good shot in the first period instead of playing the middle i was a little confused by his his uh play i haven't seen him defend like that on a two-on-one or a three-on-one rush usually he's he's pretty good right in the middle but anyway bruce my uh bad thing <clears throat> for the second game in a row is connor brown <laughs> not scoring he had he had <laughs> he had one of the most how did it not go in how he had one of the most wide open nets you will see and it was a brilliant pass. Dylan Holloway looked really good yeah, in his um, in his game, <laughs> first game back with the Oilers after injury. He's been down in Bakersfield for four games. He made a great pass, no look pass. He was looking to shoot all the, like faking out the goalie, which is why Vladar was way over on his side of the net. And then Holloway just put it into the middle of the ice where Brown was charging in. And Brown had half the net. Two thirds of the net wide open. All, all of the net. <laughs> all of the net. Yes. If Vladar threw his arm over to cover like one square foot of the twenty-four. And well, he shot, he shot it, it. He shot it right back at Vladar, who was mm-hmm. way out of position on the shot. Yeah. A whole net to shoot at, and he was so keen to get off that shot, and score that first goal of the year that he shot mm-hmm. it right <laughs> at Vladar. <laughs> The only place he could have shot on net that wasn't going to be a goal. He managed to hit that spot. All oh, that was painful. And I just, I just, you know, that's, there's that old saying, he's got plenty of luck, all of it bad. Of it bad. 
he did three wow. things. He did three things right on that play. In yeah. terms of that shot, he shot it quickly. He shot it hard, and he shot it upstairs. He did all of those things. He just shot about five feet further less left than he needed to. And Vladar just sort of desperate flung his arm over there. And of course the puck hit it like a magnet. <laughs> it's like that had a sure goal. Like he could have that chance. Give him that chance 10 times. I'm thinking he scores seven or eight of them. Yeah, you I know? think so. And that was the one or two out of 10 where something went wrong. <laughs> yeah. Except for with him, it's 10 out of 10. It's just unreal. <clears throat> Something always goes wrong. Well, that was his best chance of the year, I think, that I can recall. I'm pretty sure. I mean, it doesn't get much better mm -hmm. than that. Like you say, it was no. like an 80% chance. <laughs> four out of five times an NHL four will score from that mm -hmm. spot. Poor Connor Brown. He's like, <laughs> maybe you should change his name to Charlie Brown. Oh, so <laughs> that was unkind. But I meant it. All right, Bruce, uh, what is your number? Yeah, well, 13 is the underlying number, but I'll go with 50 and 22, which is the Oilers' goals for and against over the course of this uh, uh, 13 now, 13 Canadian record game winning streak. And of a special mention, the 22. They've always allowed 22 goals against in 13 games. Like, wow. That's fantastic. They, they gave in three of each of the first two games, and you may recall the second three, Rangers got their third goal with one second left. They had to review the, the clock to see if it counted, and Skinner was kind of disconsolate to give up a third oh, goal. Yeah, you could right. see it that game. That was the last game before Christmas. Well, since Christmas, they played 11 games, and they've given up, what is it, 16 goals in 11 games? Like, that's less than one and a half per game. Yeah. And Pickard gave in four of them, and uh, uh, Skinner has just been slamming the door game after game. He now personally has a 10-game winning streak tying Grant Fuhrer's franchise record from 1985-86 when, you know, the Edmonton Oilers were pretty good in 1985-86. Grant Fuhrer was pretty good. And that was the that Well, it is the record, but it's been tied. And who knows what happens next, but uh, they, uh, you know, the goal differential, like they're outscoring teams by more than a two-to-one ratio. And now they've gotten to the point where they're consistently winning low-scoring games. Like the last seven games of the streak, the highest score was four to two. Highest score of the last seven games. Had game had six goals in it. That is so un-Oilers as to be, you know, it's, it's hard to believe. It is. Like if you it told is. me some team was going to go on a seven-game winning streak and they were all going to be 3-1, 2-1, I would say, you know, well, Winnipeg or, you know, maybe New Jersey or the Trap era, you know, or what have you, Edmonton Oilers? What? And I guess they figured out how to win, Bruce. Well, they even won tonight without a point from McDavid, first one of the streak, nor yeah. from Drysidel. They just got... A couple of goals from down the lineup and a, and a very nice empty netter by Zach Hyman. Speaking of goals and points, 
My number is Ryan McLeod. He started off the year with lots of criticism. He had two points in his first 16 games. Since then, Bruce, in his last 25 games, he's got 17 points. 17 points in 25 games. Nice. That is none too shabby. And he, um, tonight's goal was um, a uh, signifier of the confidence that he has now uh, making plays. He was not, he, he was really struggling with the puck uh, in the first part of the year. He's coming off injury in the preseason. And uh, it seemed to really impact him, but he's flying out there and making great plays. And that was a, I've already just described it. It was a fantastic reception of the puck and an even better shot. So um, he presents an interesting um, player for the Oilers. Are they going to keep him at third line center? Are they going to put him on the wing? I mean, Evander Kane, I thought, had his best game. He had a good game last game and he, he had his best game. Since that run in November when he was one of the Oilers' best player, if not the best player for five or ten games. And Kane uh, was really flying tonight. And you know what I noticed about Kane, Bruce, is he finally was really shooting the puck with authority. I haven't seen him shoot that puck that hard. Yeah, he was so, a bull in this game. Mm-hmm. He was really charging around and, and making command. He's He's not going to, nor should we expect him to have clean handles of the puck every time because that's just not his game. But what he does is bowl, power the puck, puck forward, power himself into the into the greasy areas. And uh, uh, I had no problems at all with the game that he put forth tonight. I thought he had a, a strong effort. How many shots did he have? Uh, four. four. He and Ekholm Most had on four the team each. Tied with Ekholm. So, yeah, are they going to keep him there? Probably. I mean which would make McLeod the third line center. I really liked Holloway at the 4C. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's not much ice time there. What did he get? Uh, 9.58. There's not a lot of ice time there, but yeah. he is. He was a really strong center in college hockey. And um, to have a player like him, skilled, big, fast, who can make plays at center, maybe the third line will be Holloway at center with McLeod on the wing and um, one other guy, who knows? Um, I'm not yeah. sure who's the better center at this point. If McLeod's better on the wing and Holloway's better at center or the other way around, but I, a, a third line with those two guys flying on it, Bruce, and one other guy who, I don't know who that will well, be. The bottom but, six with one of those guys flying on each line. It's not the worst thing either. Uh, that's true you know, too. Being running down the middle. Uh, Holloway, it was he who made the great pass to Connor Brown. That by yes. all rights should have been an assist. And yeah. he did get an assist. They unbelievably to me, they awarded two assists on that Gagne goal. Because I guess oh, it really? was a deflection and not a specifically an own goal. I thought that had unassisted written all over it. But uh CC and Holloway got the apples on the uh on the Gagne goal. And he went three for three in the face off dot, which is one measure of a center. And he just played a couple ticks under 10 minutes. And I think the over-under folks were giving him tonight was eight minutes and he got 10. Just because of his position. As for Ryan McLeod, you mentioned his stats. Well, he has one point on uh, power play, one point on penalty kill. Wow. 17 points at even strength. Like that's where he does all his scoring. When, so when you say 17 points in 25 games, that's over a 50-point season pace. 
50 point seasons are hard enough without having to do it all at even strength. Like he's really on a heater. Yeah. Shows what happens when players get healthy, get their confidence. Bruce, let's move on to our conundrum of the night. And this is PK Subban's comment that had people in an uproar. And the conundrum is, did PK, does PK Subban have a point? PK Subban is, of course, the former um, all-star defenseman of the Montreal Canadiens. Mm-hmm. Um, who didn't do so well in other cities, mainly because he got a bad back and um, that slowed him down. So here's what he said on Twitter, quote, I actually love watching Edmonton play. They are just too easy to play against in their own zone. Too much emphasis on McDavid, Leon, etc., and the superhero offense to always get it done. You need to win tight games with your defense. You saw what happened last year with Vegas. <laughs> Yes, Jack Eichel is a stud and an X-factor, but defensive structure, goaltending, and being hard to play against won them a cup. Not just talent and skill, but hey, anything can happen. He went on. Let's see if he said anything else. Not much. Just just more more about, um, well, here, here's, here he ended off his quote with, you need to trust your defensive structure to win you some games some nights. I need to see that consistently. Caps, all in caps there. How how you win matters. Habits matter. It's about the Stanley Cup, not winning streaks. Unquote. So Bruce, um, what kind of habits have they got going on, David? I mean, what's he? What, what? What? They haven't won any games. Won nothing. You know. So there's that. Uh, but as I just mentioned, like the last seven wins in a row: three one, two one, three two in overtime, two one in overtime, four two with an empty net goal, four two. And now 3-1 with an empty net goal. Like, how tight of defensive performance are you looking for if you're thinking that's wide open and cavalier and not paying attention to defense? Like, I think, what you uh, said is valid from last year, but yeah, now. Your turn. I, I think habits matter, Bruce, and he should get in the habit of watching the orders more closely <laughs> before he comments on them. Because, listen, listen, he's saying a lot of things I've been saying for the last, you know, until recently, mm-hmm. until about three weeks ago. And um, three weeks ago, Knobloch, in very kind of quiet but pointed way, pointed out the need that we've got to do better off rush chances. And our defense has to do better and our forwards have to do better. Since since that little statement in the media, the orders have been just playing what I call firewall hockey. We've all heard of the fire wagon hockey, the Montreal Canadiens. Well, this is Oilers firewall hockey. They are playing very solid defensive hockey. It's not perfect defensive hockey, but uh, there isn't. And but the defensemen are playing their positions. The forwards are back checking hard. The centers are generally speaking helping out in the defensive slot. The wingers are covering the points. They're, they're holding their defensive structure. They're back checking hard. Um, they're they're not. They're generally speaking not. The defensemen aren't making bad decisions on the pinch. They're just, they've cut down on the bad decisions and they've increased the rate of uh, hard hustle plays to get back to their own zone and to cover in their own zone. This is far wall defense. It's, it's, I find it really satisfying and I, I love the way they're winning games. So I think Subban's comment was stale. Yeah, it was, it was, it, it, it was, he had a point if he was talking about the Oilers, even in December when they started to win, 
there was still something very erratic about this team and their defensive play. And um, mm-hmm. it was it, it has been an ongoing issue for the entire McDavid era. And um, they're finally getting on top of it. I think the players have realized, yeah, we want to win. And maybe there's something to what Todd McClellan, Ken Hitchcock, Dave Tippett, Jay Woodcroft told us before they all got fired. And now this new guy's saying the same thing, maybe in a way that's getting through to them right now. And they're doing it. They really are doing it in a way I've never seen the Oilers team play defense um, over an extended period of time. I've never seen um, an Oilers team, maybe the, you know, in the McDavid era at least, play defense right. this way. You could say that the, the uh, Pronger team was pretty strong on defense in the playoffs there. But this team is getting it done, and I re- I like it. Yeah, well, you could go back to the 0102 team mm-hmm. that finished second in the league in goals against. That was a really anomalous team for the Oilers. Yeah. And they somehow managed to miss the playoffs despite the great defense record that year. But uh, that was the Tommy Sallow era, and they that was yeah. a team that had early Eric Craig Brewer. McTavish. Uh, yeah, Eric Brewer, early Craig McTavish era, and they, they played fairly buttoned down. Uh, but... Uh, I mean, this this latest development, they're you know they're barely scoring at all, and yet they're scoring enough to win. What year was that, Bruce? Two thousand and one, oh two. Oh one, oh two. Yeah. All right. Let's see who was on that team. That's a. I didn't know that that they had finished second in the league that yeah, year. Really jump. It was really impressive at the time, and that, like I say, that was the one year in there that they somehow missed the playoffs, and it's like, how is that even possible? So their defensemen were Scott Ferguson, Sean Brown, Tom Pody, Jason Smith, Eric Brewer, and Yanni Ninema. Yeah, there's players. some good def- good defensive defensemen in there. Jason Smith and Eric Brewer were. I mean, Eric Brewer made Team Canada um, mm-hmm. in 2002, yeah. so um, that's that's partly why. Yeah, so, yeah, I thought, you know, the thing about it is, like, um, until the Oilers win the Stanley Cup, Bruce, <clears throat> excuse me, they're open to criticism. They're going to keep yep. getting criticized. They're going to keep, yep. gr- there's there's going to be all, like, all forms of idiotic comments. And in, some of them interesting comments, some of them idiotic, some of them wise, some of them unwise. It's just going to be, you know, on and on and on people commenting about this, that, and the other aspect of why this team doesn't win, hasn't won the Stanley Cup in the McDavid era. And until they do, that's going to continue. And it, in the end, nothing matters except them winning in the playoffs. And um, they're certainly rounding into a team. Be, they're developing the habits that they're going to need in the playoffs to win in the playoffs. And um, right now, I don't see any team beating them. But... Injuries can happen, uh, and um, goaltenders can get hot or cold. But other than that, this is this is a fantastic team. And the bounces at the wrong moment, yeah, or the right anything. moment that can that can change on a dime. Right now, they're kind of run, riding the wave on that front. Yeah. Well, look at what and look what happened. I think they brought it up on the broadcast tonight, Boston last year, right? Or was that? Maybe that was on a podcast I was listening to today, but it was um, thumbs up a lot. Yeah, you, you can do everything right. You can be an absolutely dominating, outstanding team, 
And it just, in the playoffs, it's for some reason, well, it was injuries. Like their top two centers, I believe, both Krejci and Bergeron were injured. And, you know, I don't know, was Bergeron playing with one lung or some, some crazy thing? He was playing, thing? but he was not near his own <laughs> self. So sad yeah. for him to go out. Yeah. So fantastic teams can go out. The Oilers are playing like the Boston Bruins in, in this run of games. They're playing like the Boston Bruins did last year. This is this this is that this is that that style of hockey, and um, you know it's not four or five goals a game, but it is thirteen wins in a row. It sure is, and it's just very bizarre. If you told me the Oilers would win seven straight games, this is again the last part of the winning streak where Connor McDavid didn't score more than one point in any of the games, I would have said no. Not happening. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Not happening. Sooner or later, there's going to be a game where he gets three or four points and they blow someone out, right? Well, that hasn't happened for a long time. Philly game, I guess, January 2nd. Yeah. I thought Leon actually looked really good tonight and played. Mm-hmm. That line was really strong. Excuse me, got a lot of grade A shots at even strength and um, was their best line, I thought. Um, Leon, Kane, and uh, Fogle. Fogel was unlucky not to score in the first. Yeah, officially Leon had no shots and was uh, 35% on the dot tonight. You look at that and say he wasn't effective. <clears throat> I thought he distributed the puck well, and I thought that uh, uh, his play in his own zone, man, he, he made again a back check in the third period where he came back against big odds and he took the puck off of the Calgary guy who had He's it, got it back out of the zone. and. When he decides he wants that puck, you know, doesn't have to be the offensive zone to use the same skills. And uh, he's he's doing more stripping of pucks in the D zone lately, and I'm here for it. Here's my theory on Leon Dreisaitl, Bruce. It, the early in the game, the lower you see Leon Dreisaitl skating to the ice, the more down low he is and digging in, the better he's going to be that game. The taller he is, kind of. Mm-hmm. Skating tall and and brittle, mm-hmm. um, so they should measure him on the first shift. If he's below six feet on the ice, you know he's going to bring a really really good game. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we well, tends to do more two footed skating <clears throat> when he's more erect for sure, and uh, as he leans into it, uh, and this is true for many players, you know, to keep the low profile, the legs moving is part of the part of it takes the a balance. lot of energy. It takes a lot of energy to skate lower to the ice. And and it's just this, what that is, is it's a signal of how much energy he has that night, I think. And a a fairly, it's it's not just for him, it's for a lot of players. But the the lower they get, the better they're going to be. All right, Mm. Bruce, you got to get to bed. That's my prescription. Yeah. Yeah. Was there a conundrum in there? We did. Subban was the conundrum. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Subban's Did he have a point? Super, yeah. Uh, I actually I replied to PK, and I don't usually, and I pointed out the 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 running the, the scores of the winning streak, and saying, you know, you 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 need to watch for more recent Oilers a little bit. Uh, I was a little turned off by some of the personal comments in those replies, which are oh, unnecessary for anyone. I mean, all he's doing is stating his opinion. You can take a take a shot at his opinion all day long, right? That should be the subject. Doesn't make him an idiot you know, or some of the various epithets that were thrown out. And uh, Well, he's got $50 million 
Yeah, and a hundred and a million followers on Twitter. So uh, he's also got yeah. a James Norris trophy on his shelf. You know, there I you mean, go. this was a hell of a player. So before like... he got hurt, yeah, he mm-hmm. was he was a tremendous hockey player, and um, he was a it was I did God. I, I did find PK it a little Subban. ironic because he was never really known for his defensive <laughs> habits that he was. Put, but you know what? It's it's mm-hmm. it's that guy who 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 knows maybe maybe he really knows more than anyone um how important that is all right bruce thanks for talking tonight all right thanks for listening everyone and thanks for filling in on the grades tonight dave and i'm going to hit the pillow yeah no problem bruce and in the meantime and in between times this has been another edition of the cult of hockey podcast